You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sweet on a green-eyed girl All fiery Irish Clip Welcome to Reporting is Eligible. I am Paul Noonan of Acme Packing Company and the Shepherd Express. Uh, we are fresh off destroying the Dallas Cowboys and likely uh, ending Mike McCarthy's reign there. Uh, sorry about that, Mike. Got you twice. Uh, we have the 49ers coming up, which should be like really the toughest, most interesting game of the year. And uh, first off, to, to help me out uh, analyzing what happened and what's going to happen in, I believe, Colorado by the looks of things. What's happening, everybody? My name is Matt. You can call me Matub, Acme Packing Company, Meme Weaver, and General Twitter, Rabble Rouser. Yeah, you, you can see, oh, I guess the other side, you can see my uh, fireplace. You got your That's fireplace, yeah. Kansas. Also, you said that like the Micro Machines guy. That was the fastest talking I've ever heard out of you. That was crazy. Um, oh, well, I've uh, I, I had a, a Coke Zero with dinner, so that'll do it. I'm just going to be super <laughs> So, also helping us out, uh, we have we have a rotating bunch of guests while Jr. is up at the big leagues with uh, with Spoon. Um, at Acme Puck Packing Company, we're fortunate enough to have uh, Rich Madrid, who writes for us, but also very helpfully uh, covers the 49ers. So, Rich, you want to just introduce yourself, tell people where they can find your work, and uh, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I cover the Packers with you guys as I do a lot of the film breakdowns for Acme Packing Company. And uh, covered the 49ers for a while now. Um, obviously, I'm, they're my my favorite team. Uh, you know, so that was what I was doing when I started writing and all that. I uh, covered them for Niners Nation for a little while. Haven't really posted anything much over there recently, but I uh, kind of just started covering them on my own little Substack uh, when I have time during the season at WestCoastFootball.substack.com. So, um, obviously, Packers is my primary right now, but primary rooting interest is obviously san francisco yeah um and i would say the 49ers are, i think my second favorite team to watch uh just ever since we've had lafleur it's kind of been fun to watch the system kind of slowly develop into something more similar to what the 49ers run i love shanahan I, i've loved watching him like throughout the, through the falcons and other teams and whatnot and i just think they, they have the most interesting offense um in the league and it, it is deservedly copied by so many for that reason so um, I'm looking forward to this one. I like master teacher stuff. This should be pretty fun. Um, it's also a good example of nepotism, right? The exception that proves the rule. So obviously that's why you're okay. With it. Well, there's nepotism and there's like influence, and, and you know, uh, yeah. I mean, it's really interesting to see how the different offshoots of the the coaching tree have evolved their offense to kind of fit their personnel, right? That, yeah. That's what I think is so unique about it. I mean, I've been, you know, 
secretly, you know, I've been a, I've loved the Packers for a long time, just not as my primary team, it just because of, I hate to say it, but Aaron Rodgers was really fun to watch for a, a decade plus. And, um, I, I'm just a fan of like good players, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, so, uh, and then LaFleur, you know, it's just been, it's been a unique ride. Um, a hundred percent. We're going to start midway. We're going to start with the San Fran part of the rundown because we have rich for a somewhat limited time. So I want to make sure we get the most out of you here. And, um, I think that the transition from the LaFleur Rogers, like scheme and sort of the compromise between the two to what we've seen this year is pretty crazy just on how big of a flip it is. And we got the, the Bosa quote today about how Aaron would go off script all the time, but it's not like it didn't work, you know, like that they got great offense out of the two of them together. And I think maybe Matt's biggest plus right now is just, he does seem to have that flexibility and, and really an ability to work amongst his players to get the most out of them. Um, that's, that's the best thing. <laughs> And also he learned how to use the separate tight ends properly, even though he did give a speed out to Musgrave in the last game. Yeah. That upset me. Yep. <laughs> so getting into San Francisco a bit. Um, so we've had a lot of love, love from the media this week. Sorry, Matt, that was not intentional. Um, and the 49ers obviously didn't play. They earned their buy. Um, and I'm sure we'll start to see Purdy stories this week too in Purdy versus Love. And I know the big debate amongst everybody, including everybody on this podcast, is uh, how good do you think Purdy is? Uh, I, it's hard to, I think, break people individually out of the Shanahan scheme because it is such a good scheme. But uh, what would you say his like true talent level is uh, if that's even a possible thing to do here. I got Rich, I got before Rich starts, people need to know the background here. Uh, Rich regularly is critical of his team on the twitter.com, and that includes being both positive and negative about Purdy. And my God, do people get mad anytime Rich says something not nice about <laughs> Purdy? So he does it yeah, a lot. It's, it's fun. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a mixed bag. Like, I, I wasn't really like a big Lance fan. I thought maybe he might have some juice there when they drafted him and you know they they sat him for a year they they let garoppolo kind of do his thing in 21 and then they handed it over to lance and it was you know we didn't get to see much but for the limited stuff that we saw in preseason from lance wasn't good i just you know and then going into to this year or i thought you know okay purdy had a, a decent five game stretch they made the playoffs he got hurt you know, maybe Lance is going to get another shot. And then he ends up taking a back seat to Purdy, which is understandable. I think Purdy earned the right. You know, I think he just demonstrated that he can, he can be a quarterback in the NFL. Um, and then from there, Purdy just kind of exceeded my expectations. Like I was really skeptical um, all off season, all preseason, you, you know, and in the first game he came out, he was breaking structure, going off script and making plays and, against a really good Steelers defense. And I was kind of like, okay, maybe what, what is it about this guy? Like in that first week in week one, I, it kind of just hit me. Like he does, a, a, he does like maybe two or three things better than Garoppolo did. And it really just kind of, I don't think it's him necessarily that elevates the offense. It's, it's what he does and what he gives them where he can go off script. He can make throws outside the pocket. Um, and he takes like, 
for his limited arm strength, he takes the shots downfield. Yeah. And I, th- you know, and he's one of, I think he's top 10 or top five in the league in throwing 20 plus yards downfield. Yes, so. his ADOT is shockingly high. I checked it out today just to see if he was kind of a Garoppolo clone because Jimmy's was always kind of like, not that he couldn't air it out once in a while, but his ADOT for the 49ers is usually like around six, six and a half. And Purdy's is like eight and a half, nine. Um, it's, yeah, it's up there. It's really up there. Um, <laughs> um yeah. So yeah, I mean, that, and, and he takes like he was make he makes those throws too, and that's the that's like the mind-boggling thing to me is he would not only take those shots on the alert fades and and things like that, and he he's hitting them it perfectly in stride. So it's like okay, like yeah, that is the aspect that I think people take for granted with him, and I think he's played probably ten times better than Garoppolo ever has. Agreed with that. Yeah, I, I do think he's I do yeah. think he's a good quarterback. Yeah. So I liked him actually uh, I tend to like guys like Purdy out of college. I actually get made fun of it, uh, made fun of for it on the Acme Pack Heavy Slack a lot. Like I like Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. Just um they were accurate throwers in college. They just didn't have the physical tools to do it. Um Purdy was kinda like that. He was super accurate in college. He just never took chances down the field. He had like a very, very low yards per completion. There was an article on the offseason in The Athletic about a bunch of quarterbacks who basically went through like driveline training to try and add a couple miles an hour to their arm strength. Uh, Jake Hayner was one of those guys, busted for steroids before the season started. That happens when you do the driveline training sometimes. Um, and Purdy was one of them, oh too. <laughs> well, it does. <laughs> I'm not saying Purdy's on roids. He's probably not. He would have tested positive, too. Um, but... Uh, I think he actually did add a couple miles an hour to his fastball. I think he had a below NFL arm before, and I don't think it's great now. But I think like that little marginal difference for a guy with very good accuracy really made the difference for him. And I think he is a good quarterback as long as he sort of keeps those fundamentals that he's developed. So um, I think he's kind of the opposite yeah. of Love, who had a you know good arm and good physical tools and couldn't do a lot of the other stuff. And I think they're kind of good uh, inverses of each other for, for the story there. Um, I did want to ask you, um, do you think the wet football thing is legit? Uh, it was in an article today in The Athletic about how uh, Purdy ha- can struggle when it's raining. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we've only... It was weird, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've only seen it in one game. Well, maybe two, one and a half. Last year in the in the wild card against the Seahawks, um, it was raining early on in that game, and he had a fair bit of off-target throws. I, the first play of the game... They took a play action shot and he just sky mailed it over Debo when the wide open he was Debo was wide open. Um so and I, I so I think there's something to that. He didn't play well in Cleveland, and I, I think that partly had to do with the defense that they were facing, plus a, a wet ball. I think he had a couple of fumbles. He had a, a I think that was the game where he had the highest amount of off target throws and he um he threw a really bad interception in that game. So uh, I do think a lot of that was probably affected by the weather. Um, and then in, in the Philly game, it was similar conditions, although it wasn't raining. It was still a pretty damp, um, wet atmosphere because it had just just poured before that. Yeah. And they didn't have him throw probably more than 15 yards downfield except for maybe a couple of passes. So I do think there's some truth to that. Um, I didn't see the specific athletic article. I think you just rattled off all the that. examples that were cited there. So Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's just baked into my memory at this All point. Right. It so. is maybe going to rain this weekend, so um, yeah. whether it's small sample size nonsense or not, we'll get a chance to actually maybe see it. All right. Also, so, Brock Purdy has tiny baby hands. He, he, he does have relatively small hands for a quarterback. Not picket, but close. I did get killed for saying something like that too about the, mm-hmm. the weather after the Cleveland game. 
um, and how he had smaller hands. Nobody seemed to like that one. Yeah, weather's so, underrated though. Like old man Brett <laughs> yeah. Favre couldn't play in cold weather, and I don't really think old man Aaron can either. So weather is just funny because. Uh, during Deflategate, Rogers talked all that crap about how he likes overinflated balls, yeah. which is what you're going to get in cold weather. And it's like, man, like I don't think you're doing as well as you think you are. Yep. Well, <laughs> let's uh, let's knock out a couple of Patreon questions and talk a little bit about Lafleur versus Shanahan. So uh, we got a couple oh, here yeah. that are that are close from first Max Board um, on the Patreon. Uh, has Jordan Love finally answered the question? What if Aaron Rodgers played in a Shanahan offense? Maybe a little over the top, but and, and secondly from Matthew Keating, uh, will will Lafleur ever get the same level of respect to Shanahan? And does he deserve it? Uh, and why do you think all of Lafleur's coaching buddies are so much better at hiring? We'll get to that later. But um, in, in terms of Lafleur versus Shanahan. Um, do you see any big differences just schematically in how they do things? Like, what is the difference between the two of them at this point in terms of what they do? Because they are similar, but I feel like not quite the same. I, if I had to say the differences, I think Lafleur is leans a little more to the McVeigh side of the tree, in the in the in the Gruden, the John Gruden influence there that McVeigh has. Uh, you know, with with their offense in particular, they let. The quarterback, specifically, a bunch of times I've noticed this year, they let Jordan Love change the protection at the line of scrimmage. They let him reset uh, where they're going to slide their pass protection to, and things like that. In the Shanahan offense, they don't they don't do that. Right. Um, they just they want the quarterback not necessarily to be a robot, but just they don't want him thinking about all that stuff pre-snap. They just give him a couple of plays in the huddle and expect him to get into the right one. And ninety percent of the time, Shanahan's going to get him into the right play. So. Um, they really put an emphasis on post snap. Like if, if there's a, if there's a free rusher, you have to beat the free rusher. You don't get to slide the protection and reset everything. Um, and so I think those are the differences, uh, structurally. I, I, but as far as everything else, like this year, you're seeing a lot more of the same play action concepts with, um, you know, the drift route or Lafleur. uh, I've calls it strike. Um, you know, it's that like little, that's that like seven step and then, in breaking route. Um, they love to throw that, but in, in, uh, fairness to Rogers, they threw that quite a bit too, but you know, a lot of the concepts are, um, very similar. Um, they're combining a lot of the same things they're running, you know, leak, they're running corner post. Those are all things that Shanahan's been running for years. Um, so I don't think there's too much of a difference there. I just think, the way they get to some of those concepts looks a little more like McVeigh with the fast motion and, um, you know, whatever that, that cheat motion they call it or whatever that the dolphins use. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think just, you know, maybe a little more 11 personnel where the 49ers are going to run more 21 personnel with, with the fullback and McCaffrey. Um, so there, there's de- definitely a, a lot of structural differences, but also a lot of similarities. Yeah. I also do wonder if, we may see a little bit more uh, similarities now that the Packers actually have both tight ends simultaneously. Yeah, I was going to say that I think the stuff that, that Shanahan does out of 21, LaFleur wants to do out of 12, where you've got um, you know, Kraft being your use check, kind of playing that role. Yeah, and that's a that's a really good point. Um, that They're doing a lot more of that, and I've noticed they're leaning into a lot more 12 now that Musgrave's back, and um yeah. gives them a little more versatility on that end yeah um i wanted i also wanted to ask you and i, I left it to the very last thing so the, the last time we played the 49ers in the playoffs two years ago uh in 
Aaron's game. It was 13 to 10. It was in brutally cold weather. Matt and I met there. Um, yeah, we were there. That was great. Um, I, I don't I don't think I wasn't that surprised that the Packer offense got shut down at that point because I would see an Aaron offense have that happen every now and then. But I have been surprised at at Joe Barry being kind of frisky at shutting down the 49er offense, like more than a lot of other defensive coordinators seem to be able to. Do you have any insight as to like why that seems to happen since he struggles so much against lots of other teams um, at all? Yeah, so that that year specifically, I think they were leaning a little heavily into the outside zone scheme more than um, probably any year that Shanahan's been there. I, I think when he took over the 49ers, he started running a little more gap, you know, power, counter, um, little inside between the tackles, especially in that 2019 run they made. And then, um, you know, that was the year that, in the playoffs that year, they kind of beat the Packers up with the run game. And that was a lot of inside between the tackles type stuff. Um, Shanahan got back to more of the outside zone stuff in the last couple of years. And I think Barry's defense specifically, the Fangio stuff for a couple of years, gave those offenses fits because mm-hmm. they like to set the, the edge defenders, the two outside linebackers, you know, out, out as wide as possible outside the tight end. So those teams can't get to the edge. They basically are dictating that you're going to run between the defensive end and the, or the linebacker or whatever in the defensive tackle. And that's where, um, you know, it, let, it lets the safeties come up, you know, in that game in the, in the regular season that year, Barry was playing a lot of quarters coverage. Those safeties were sitting probably 10, yeah, 12 that's yards right, deep. That's right. They had be- um, better edge setting than they do now with the Smiths both playing. Yeah. Uh, and Zadarius is personally not playing that much. They were really forced to do that. And yeah, so, you were right. A lot of quarters back then. That does make sense. And and so they Barry hasn't really they haven't really found a replacement for that. Um and this year, like Shanahan's getting back to more of the inside running stuff, inside zone, uh duo, counter power. McCaffrey can run everything. Right. Um, so that's what they're doing with them. They're, you, you never know if you're going to get a zone toss at one time and a duo run on the other that's going to look the same as a zone <laughs> toss the way they move to it. So <laughs> That's my favorite um, game in film Twitter is zone or duo. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah I, there's one. There's Somebody posted one. It was like duo or inside zone, and I said duo, and I, I had like 60 comments the next day saying half and half. I was like, oh, my God. I'm anytime, anything, but <laughs> anytime you see like you're getting ratioed and you haven't said anything that's like controversial, you're just like, yeah. oh, there's going to be idiots in my mentions. Yeah, that's when you just muted at that point. Um, <laughs> um, but so for the Packers, like it's they've it's killer because the teams that run the most on them, Barry's playing on a lot of those two down nickel fronts, the, the two defensive tackles, and then the the lighter outside linebackers, and they're their spacing and those fronts is, you know, you've got two bubbles along the offensive line, a, a B gap bubble on one side and an A gap bubble on the other, and they just get gashed. Yeah. Um, they just really haven't found the personnel to deal with that sorts of stuff um, from the Shanahan offenses. So, but I think for Barry, it does help going against the same offense in practice. So he, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them kind of put the clamps on some of the stuff that Shanahan wants to do. Yep. Uh, I, I, I'm hoping that this works out well, but I could also see him getting pants pretty easily, but we've all seen Barry. Well, we've seen Joe Barry put together two or three good games in a row, yeah. followed by a complete disaster. Also so. that. Yeah, but like even a blind dog could sniff his own ass, right? Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I feel like he can learn like two lessons at a time and then things change on him and it takes him a while to, to snap back. <laughs> that seems about right. Uh, all right. Um, uh, the 49ers feel like have a, a big advantage there. Like their defense has been good um, pretty much consistently all year. Um, they've struggled very, very rarely when they've played some of the best teams in the league. Uh, how do you think the Packer offense is going to fare against them in this game? See, this is the one area of the 49ers I don't trust. I don't trust the defense right now, especially yeah. on the back end. Um, for one thing, the, the defense as a whole has missed a ton of tackles. I don't have the specific numbers, but I mean, it's it's quite a bit. It sticks um, out on their PFF grades when you'll see basically all these all-pro yeah. guys, and then you'll go to the tackle grade, and it'll be red. Like, um, it, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's up and down the whole thing. I wasn't a fan of the Wilkes hire. Um, I didn't think moving him, you know, there was this big whole thing with them moving him down to the sideline after the three game losing streak they had. And I didn't think it was going to matter that much I just, because they traded for Chase Young after that. And I think that's was the difference for them mainly. I don't think it really had anything to do with Wilkes being down on the sideline, but they just, their corners, the, the secondary's taken a beating. Uh, they lost Hufanga in week 11, torn ACL. That was a big, big loss. They just haven't really found a solid number two corner opposite Shervarius Ward. Um, it's in, it's just kind of, they, they rotate guys in and out, you know, if, if Ed Oliver not Ed Oliver, um, Isaiah yeah, Oliver's Isaiah playing. Oliver, yeah. yeah. Ed Oliver's a defensive tackle. Um, if, if Oliver's playing bad, then they bench him and they put their best corner number two in at the nickel and they bring in a corner off the bench that, you know, is prone to getting pantsed once in a while, Ambry Thomas. Um, I will say he's played a little bit better, but it's still like a, a really thin position and a really just subpar group after Charvarius Ward and, and Nickel, um, Yamador Lenore. Yeah. So I do feel like and it, that's where the Packers really punished people, especially over the last, you know, nine or whatever games, is all the receivers are kind of the same level of good and um it just seems to be a new guy every week. Basically, the fourth Packer receiver just goes going up against the fourth whatever corner or safety on any team is what they do. Like, that was just Romeo last game. It was Bo Melton a couple before that. And they're just so good at, at finding that mismatch. And if they can do that against yeah. the 49ers, they might be able to do some damage again. Also, shout-outs to Jaden Reed for acknowledging that on Twitter after the game. Did you guys see that? <laughs> no. He goes, I'm sorry I ruined all your parlays, but we won. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Because he had three targets and no catches, so that was he did. It was a heck of a Jaden Reed game. Well, and Watson was just he, a decoy too, and yeah, um, well, you know, Reed, it's Reed, scary one. So that works. Reed was doing that. Uh, what do you guys call it? The cheat motion? False? What's the the Dolphins thing? Yeah, the um, cheat yeah, motion. The, they call it exit motion, or depending on which way it goes, I just call it fast motion, in or out. Um, yeah, like he on, had, the, on the Wicks touchdown, he was he did that. Like in you know, yeah. turned up field to make it like a like a really shallow wheel, and then that kind of cleared out the safety for Wicks to do his double move. And I was like, "All right, let's go." <laughs> yeah, so they they I'll present uh, definitely some challenges there for everyone other than Charvarius Ward, um, Tayshawn Gibson, the safety. He's had a pretty good year. You don't really hear his name called a lot. I think he's been pretty solid. Uh, um, they this year they've changed how they've played their safeties. Hufanga used to play. Um, like the he used to play to the passing strength a lot as the as the safety over there, and he's not a good cover guy. So they 
switched the roles up between Gibson. They trust Gibson more to cover the number two inside and things like that downfield. So that's, that's made a difference for them. But if you can pick on Ambry Thomas and then probably somebody like Oren Burks at linebacker, which you guys are familiar <laughs> with Oren. too, um, you, you can, you can probably move the ball fairly well. And I, you know, and the, they've been prone to getting beat on the edges in the run too. So I, I definitely, Definitely see opportunity there, even with that line. Early in the season, I remember people talking about how good Burks is when he does see the field. What what has happened since then? He's he was never good. Yeah, uh, we know. <laughs> so he's a hyper he hyper athlete. We know the Burks problems, brain. man. That's, yeah. <laughs> uh, he came in uh, he's in an, Cleveland, and they just threw screens at him. Yeah, he's an overthinker. So, like, if you tell him to do one thing and he can do the one thing then he'll get to the ball and he'll do that but as soon as you start having if you want to make Oren Burks make a choice it's all over for him that's why screens are such murder on the guy that's why any misdirection is such murder on the guy um <laughs> well I uh I've often said that Burks has the Jeff Janis problem he does and that he he could be an all-star special teamer just stop making him actually play football <laughs> like he's he's a phenomenal special teams player and he could use his was it, he went to Vanderbilt, right? Like, like I a good school. Do like, not like remember good, Oren Burks school, but congratulations. Like Oren Burks went to a good college. All I right. do remember that. Like he could use his education and his special teams prowess and create generational wealth, but he keeps being asked <laughs> to be an actual linebacker and it just doesn't go well. There is a Janus play that sticks out in my head from like probably nine years ago when he had a really bad drop in one game. I don't the remember Colts, when it hit him in the yeah, face. That, <laughs> yeah yeah that, i think that was it yep. it just i just i vividly remember that for some reason he but, was uh, he was never a receiver he was always just a guy who was on a football he field. was so fast yeah. and big and that's, that's the thing is like people who people who are 210 220 like don't run four threes honestly like it's crazy but yeah so that's what burks should have yeah. been he should be a gunner forever but so what are the sadly oh, yep Third round pick. Uh, what so should the Packer defense be most worried about? Uh, the 49er offense is obviously, you know, amazing. They also have a just bevy of all stars between Christian McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk, who's having a breakout season, who's number one in DVOA and a lot of other receiver stats. And of course, Debo is always his own kind of strange monster um, of yak generation and Kittle too. Um, what's what's the the one area where the Packers are going to struggle the most against that? The linebackers, I think. Uh, Quay and Campbell, I think they're going to be under the. If you've seen the Shanahan meme with the microscope, uh, um, <laughs> yes, Stephen yes, Ruiz likes to post. I posted it last night with Campbell. Um, it, he's gonna. He's not gonna just test everyone. He's gonna pick the one or two players that he can isolate um, and go after them the majority of the game. And I think that's going to be Walker and Campbell, um, as it should it, be. It yeah, might not it, be. It might not be Campbell. Well, McDuffie's I mean, McDuff, no, he's McDuffie's hurt, healthy. Yeah, there's a lot. There's yeah, Jair might be hurt. Uh, Campbell, uh, he's going to put somebody under the microscope, and he he does this a lot. And the the recent game in my mind is the Seattle game on Thanksgiving when he put Bobby Wagner in a blender, um, and then for everybody going, how did this guy make All Pro again? Like. <laughs> just go watch the 49ers game against them and on Thanksgiving they just they, he isolate he'll isolate it to one guy and he'll get the matchup with Debo or McCaffrey and and then that's it so um that's that's 
probably what he's going to do to whoever's in there in the second level. That's a good enough strategy. Um, <laughs> so that's what Tampa did is they, anytime they like needed a third down, they would go five wide and then just see who gets isolated on Campbell. Yeah. Go at yep. him. <laughs> is, is Ayuk just better because he has a quarterback who can throw it to him now, or has he taken some actual steps forward uh, developmentally? I think so. Yeah, I think he's taken – I think it's both. Uh, his rookie year, he was kind of – I don't want to say like a lazy player. I mean, but he was kind of a lazy route runner. He just didn't have the nuance. He was, you know, the the famous Shanahan doghouse. Um, you could, And you could see flashes like, man, if this guy puts it together, he'll be pretty good. Um, and then he started out his second season just – not getting any targets, always kind of the guy who runs off the coverage because he had the speed. And then it just flipped for him. He just became that guy. And he just, the precision he runs his routes with is incredible. Like it's reminiscent of some early Devonte Adams stuff um, and how he kind of developed along the same path. So it's, he's become that guy. Like he just, he can get open and he's a run blocker too. He, he's a, he's a really physical run blocker um, and you kind of have to be in these offensive schemes. And so he makes his money there um, and Shanahan rewards him with targets and Purdy can get the ball to him. So I don't think it's, uh, I think it's worked out for both of them. Yeah. I think he'll just always be tied to the Packers a little bit since he was, he was almost Jordan love, just barely not Jordan love. Um, and I, like <laughs> we all wanted him. Like I, I loved Brandon Ayuk in college. I loved his numbers to Jefferson too, but um, I'm I'm actually glad he turned out super good since that's always what I thought he would be in the first place. Uh, Paul will happily take victory laps over his draft takes if it means that his team is worse. <laughs> I will not. I would rather win. Not entirely true. Yeah, I'm, I'm being facetious. But yeah. Yes. All right. Um, well, we can we can talk a little bit about the, the victory as well since I, I know yeah we're all Packer fans here too and. Uh, I assume none of us saw that coming. <laughs> uh, oh, with with Mike, it's always mm-hmm. minorly possible. But uh, um, I, I don't no, know that I've I ever... Did. S- did you really? I, yeah. You, because you saw I've an already... absolute boat race coming? Well, I thought the Packers would... I thought they would win. I thought they could win, and I thought they probably would. I'm not going to say I predicted that they would, but I'm not entirely surprised by the result just because I've seen... Uh, I saw what the 49ers did to the Cowboys and once once you get up on them they just that's their mentality they they, they, they lay down they fold um, they get inside their own head you you could see it all game in the body language um, especially like early on when Jair popped CD Lamb on that <laughs> that was at so the good end of that play yep. he just he just shoved him and you could just kind of see CD just like yeah. okay whatever like just threw his arms up didn't really care at that point. Like I knew like, Oh, this is over. Like these guys are done. Um, and the way that the way that they just folded in Buffalo when they had a chance to really like solidify their status there. Um, the way Pollard just could not get that ball into the end zone on that play in Miami. Um, I don't know if you guys might, I don't know if you remember that or not, but it, it yeah. but he had like an open lane and then yeah. all of a sudden he's just getting he cut the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. He, he's getting grabbed and thrown backwards. Like N- Zeke would have scored on that hundred out of a hundred times. They just, they're not, they're not a physical team. 
they just they just laid right down for the Packers. I, I can't say I'm that surprised, honestly, the way half their games went. I just thought it would be more of a shootout and closer for that reason. I'm really surprised that their offense – like, I, I'm not surprised when Mike gets out-dueled. Like, um, when McCarthy – runs into uh, like what he does is very old school we saw it here um he maybe slept on jerry jones couch and spent three days at pff but fundamentally their (laughs) offense hasn't changed that much they have good personnel what he does works okay against lesser opponents in the regular season but like i still don't trust barry that much and and i think Dak's pretty good and cd lamb um for for all of his no show in that game for the most part you know, it's not like teams have routinely stopped him from putting up numbers. I thought they would at least score on us. So I, I didn't see them. I didn't see that the, happening. That was what surprised me. Yeah. And then today I went back and looked like at their, at the games they played just on um, who deceive who they played. And they played uh, nine games against teams drafting in the top 10 and they, they were did. eight and yeah, eight and one in those games. And they were three, like three and five against playoff teams, I think. So they, they, they weren't like, I know this isn't college football and you play who you play and there's not that much difference between a 12 win team and a, and a 10 win team, but they just did not, they did not play well against the good teams and they just beat up on the bad teams. I think that does kind of matter. Um, and in the second half of the season, the Packers were one of the best teams yeah. and, it, and, it, and it showed in that game. So they, did what they did all season. They played. They played a good team, uh, very poorly. I, I tweeted that something along those lines, and and one of my good football liking friends tweeted back like, "There are no hard schedules in the league anymore. Like, it's easy to beat up on pretty much half of your schedule, no matter what division. Like, no matter what uh, division yeah. you play in. It's just there's a lot of also runs, and uh, it's easy to it's easy to fake it. Uh, the Eagles basically did the same thing. So. That, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh man, the Eagles oh, man. certainly. That was this the year's Vikings. That was, by the way, embarrassing thing ever. That was the easiest bet of the week. I uh, I did well. I bet once a year. That was my bet. So, <laughs> and yeah. so, uh, at the start of the fourth quarter, when the Packers had the ball, like right before, I think it was like Aaron Jones had a big gain. Um, ESPN had them at ninety nine point nine percent win probability. Score was forty one to sixteen. To me, that's when the game ended because Barry put out like special teamers back at safety. Yeah. And like, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, the score was a lot closer than I think. What, what oh, it was definitely was. closer at the end. By the way, we could knock out a Patreon question on that, which is from my friend Ted, uh, Ted Korth. Uh, when did you know the Packers won the Dallas game? And was it Savage's pick six? Um, oh, that's before halftime, man. It no, was. Um, I, I saw a double dip coming, so I did not think that Savage's pick six won. And they did double dip, too, so... Like, <laughs> They did, but um, I feel didn't they only get ten out of the double dip? They didn't get two touchdowns, did they? Did they? I misremembered. <laughs> Shoot, that yeah, might have been ten. Now that I'm thinking, about my it. answer was going to be when they kicked a field goal on the double dip instead of getting a touchdown. But if that's not true, then I'm just misremembered. I was in a bar. I can be excused. <laughs> they they scored a touchdown. They scored a touchdown. It was an and a two point at the end of the half, right? Because that was the uh, little flip pass to Terrod Ferguson. <laughs> Yes, yes, it was. So, let's... oh my God! So, okay, watching that game in a Packer bar uh, was a fun mixed bag because the only player on the Cowboys who actually showed up went to Wisconsin, and so anytime he did something good, the place went nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a field goal. So I'm gonna, my answer is 
after they avoided the true double dip. It was an Aubrey 34-yard field goal out of the out of the halftime. And so without getting a touchdown there, it was, I think, toast at that point. And we came right back down and scored. Aaron Jones got another rushing touchdown immediately after that. So if if not the field goal, directly after that. I think- felt awful because of the uh, correlation versus causation argument. Because everyone's like, okay, the Packers are 4-0 this year when Aaron Jones gets 20 carries. And the Packers were in the lead, and he had 19. And then Joe Barry screwed it up, so they had to put the starters back in. And then he gets his 20, 20 of the 21st carries. God damn it. Ah, that's all right. We all know the real I was going to say, I think I thought it was over when I already t- talked about the pass that he set reset the protection on against the zero blitz. Oh, that was to, so good. To Wicks. To Wicks I, yeah. I thought right there, like, man, this game's over. Like, <laughs> and did you hear Shanahan's comments today? Um, I think I posted it in the in the. Oh, yeah. He was like, he was like we he knew was, in the second quarter that we were preparing for the Packers. Yeah. Right? Let's... I think. Yeah, he's like that. I think he probably knew beforehand, like maybe first quarter, that he just knew that because he knows his he knows his boys really well, um, and he knows kind of their mentality and all that. I th- I think they were probably preparing to play them anyways because they they already knew about Dallas. So it was kind of funny to see him take that shot at the Cowboys, though. Um, it was. <laughs> I mean, they kind of deserve it there. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm surprised so, they still haven't fired him yet. I know. I thought it would come immediately. Usually Jerry is. Not that I'm rooting for anybody to get fired. No, sure. But eh, I, look, man, I've said it multiple times on here that like I, I don't have a lot of love lost for the millionaires having to find a new job. Like It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't bother me. Um, well, also, like uh, the thing is, Mike's had good regular seasons with them. And Mike is a good execution guy, like a good like making sure people are accountable, doing drills during the week. But he hasn't gotten any more creative or innovative in anything. And that's where he gets outdueled. Every time he runs into somebody who actually is creative, deceptive with what they do, he, he gets pants. And it, you can't, eventually in the playoffs, that's what you run into. It wasn't in 2010, now it is. So you got to evolve or die. And uh, yeah, that's what happens. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Um, all right. Um, <laughs> Rich, you got time for a question or two more or, uh, yeah. you got to kick it. All right. We have, by the way, we have 31 this week, so if you, uh, yeah, we, we may be revisiting how we do question priority next year on the podcast, but, um, 
if, if if you do want it, um, go to patreon.com slash tailgate. Two bucks gets it for you. Uh, Rich, we used to get like six to eight questions via that. Now we're popular. So, <laughs> um, uh, uh, all right, uh, we'll we'll do the old man in a bike in Shirlington, and then we'll we'll let you get out of here. And Matt and I'll finish up. Um, okay. He, so he, he is a, uh, a a an institution on the place. So, um, yeah. Matt, Matt, do you want old to read man on the bike? Yeah, I'll read it. Old, old man on a bike disappeared for a few weeks, and like we were all concerned, distraught. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, old man on a bike in Shirlington. I'm just an old man who spends an inordinate amount of time on a bike, so I'll admit I have not watched a lot of Cowboys games. After watching this one, I imagine most NFL fans owe the Packers a debt of gratitude for not having to listen to Dex. Here we go. Uh, good job by, good job by Jordan on that, too. Now, some will point to Jair's early interception as to when the route was on, but there was another turning point that the camera only briefly caught, of course. I'm talking about when Jair shoved C.D. Lamb Heck in the yeah. back after first quarter play for no apparent reason. At that point, I knew the swagger was back and this game was over. My question is, what was your favorite part of the game? Mine was anytime the cameras panned to show a billionaire distraught at the sight of Green Bay smoking his team. So I had several. <laughs> that was my favorite. Like at the at the end when they showed him like throwing his game program. Oh my god! I that was that was like heroin. <laughs> I think my favorite part was Jordan Love doing the "Here We Go" on the kneel down because, I mean, that is just rubbing it in. <laughs> oh, um, did you see? Did you see Jair's like post game shenanigans? Not, no, I did not. But Jordan was um, during the game, so I can count it. Um, so uh, um, Dak was talking about how because the Super Bowl is in Las Vegas, he was buying a bunch of Louis Vuitton gear to get ready for him <laughs> to play in the Super Bowl. And uh, Jair's wearing a blue Louis Vuitton hat in the post game. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> that is excellent. I love how petty these guys can be sometimes. Yeah, it's like when the 49ers showed up to Philly wearing all black um, pregame. Oh so. yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> but that's that's the thing, right? Like, so I originally, um, when when the Packers were drafting, uh, they needed a corner when they picked Jair, and I did not like him because I watched a lot of that Wisconsin game where it was Aberderis just absolutely torched him. And I tweeted about it, and Jair's dad came and found me, and was like, "If you don't think that my son is the best corner in this draft, then you don't know ball." Wasn't that? I, wasn't that <laughs> Roby? No, oh, Roby got torched by Jair. I'm trying to remember. Or by, Roby got torched by Aberdares. By Aberdares. Jair, Jair got torched by somebody, and and I was watching that game. Okay. I was like, eh, I don't, I don't really like this. Um, yeah, and his dad came and found me, and was like. I was like, no, dude, like you don't know ball. Nice. And I was like, oh man, his dad's a name searcher. I didn't even tag anybody. I was just like, I don't you care. You get for, caught by name searchers a lot. I do. I get I caught by do. name searchers. You get caught by the Watsons yet? No, I haven't. But I saw you <laughs> picked a fight with him. Justice picked a fight with him the other day too. So like, because, because Christian Watson's dad was like, was like, you know, you, fans come on here and 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 they don't know ball and they don't. Uh, support the team and they don't support the players and blah 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 and then justice was like hey here's your kid talking crap about love for two months straight like, <laughs> <laughs> oh on that note k time seven asks uh for me that was the most satisfying playoff game of the mlf era watson was a non-factor in your opinion uh was that due to a lagging injury or is his speedy skill set maybe too one-dimensional for this offense and do you see him contributing in san francisco so no, man he was our he was our marquez just just you I know, guess run him deep. 
The main question is, was he a decoy because he couldn't play it, or was he a decoy because they took him away? Marquinhos dos. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Rich. You watched Christian Watson at all on tape? Um, I've only gotten through part of it. I haven't really given that one much thought yet. Um, I might have more thoughts on it yeah. when I go back through a little more of the offense. But I thought um, I think the... it was hard to tell because they did dedicate a lot of resources to him. Like he was mm-hmm. often doubled or at least shadowed by a safety. Um, and he was very rarely the focal point of the play. Like on all those like big Romeo mesh crossing plays that he did most of his damage on. Um, I mean, they were wide open, and Watson wouldn't have got the ball regardless. Same with the Musgrave. Mm-hmm. Well, that That's actually my favorite part of the game, I take that back, was Musgrave not falling down. That was... Oh, my God. And that was not... <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say, okay, quote-unquote, like, not a good throw, but then you watch, and it turns out that, like, Love was falling away and getting tackled at the yeah. time, so it actually was pretty decent. Um, but the big Romeo catch where he was wide open, uh, Watson was triple covered. Yeah. So, like, it's kind of hard to... to um, completely take away what he did i guess totally all right i think my favorite part was again the wicks touchdown where jerry jones kind of just he looked back like looking for somebody to say something to him like like he turned like he physically turned around and like looked at somebody i don't know who it was and was like I don't know what he was doing, and then just, he just all turns the... he's like, "Who in the hell is Start Tane?" <laughs> yeah, like like he was looking was for somebody to say something to like calm him down or something. I don't know, but I, I was, and then just McCarthy's facial expressions just right away after after it was seven nothing, and they showed him. He's just like, you know, the whole. Yeah. Uh, what do you? Yeah. What do you do? Like, uh, like, what? So, uh, Rich, how how aware of like McCarthy isms are you? as a fairly new person into the Packerdom. Mm. Uh, so like, probably like, not like okay. So McCarthy much. has, has a, a f- figures of speech that he uses in every single time he's at the lectern. Um, it's like anything is mm-hmm. actually how he starts just about every sentence. Um, pad level fundamentals, uh, trust the system next man up. Like it's, it's just all coach speech, right? It's football. And, and it, yes, it's, it's football. football. It's, it's a good one. And, uh, McCarthy's face is the personification of those sentences. <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah, I can see that. Oh, Mike. Oh, my God. I don't know. Well, if okay, what's do funny that is one time, one time when the Packers were struggling, I think it was, it was either just before or just after the Arizona game, um, like the game that got him fired. Uh, when he said, "Like, let's face it, or let's let's look at the facts," I'm a highly successful NFL coach. Oh, that was the best. It's like the it's like the first time he ever went off script, and people lit him up. Yep. <laughs> all right, one more, one more, and then Rich, I'll get you out of here. Um, all right, on the Savage pick, this on the pick six. Do you think that was Savage making a good read and freelancing, or was that actually Joe Barry calling against type, like call it, like going against soft zone, actually deciding to be aggressive? And fooling Dak and the Cowboys because it wasn't a soft zone. <laughs> um, let me pull it up. I don't quite remember. So what happened there? Darnell what, is covered, it, was it the one, the one before the half? It was before the half, and okay. Savage is covering someone else, and um, it makes the the correct read that it's coming out fast, uh, and abandons his guy to make that pick six. So. I've been torn. I've watched it a few times, and 
I, I do think it's a more aggressive call than Barry usually calls there because guys are playing tight on a, I think it's a second and two, if memory serves. Um, whereas I feel like yeah. usually it is just, second and two immediately out of the yeah. two minute. Warning. I feel like usually like Barry kind of gives you that first down, <laughs> especially close to the end of the half. And he's not doing that on this one. So the uh, savage that, savage is actually covering the slot yeah. who's on an inbreaker. And so they're, they're running. This is some, this is a play the Packers run a lot. It's that, uh, trip side, like triple slants concept. And the read usually goes, uh, the number three receiver to the number two. And basically, like, it, this looks like man coverage to me. Yeah, so it Dak, looks like man. It does. I agree with that. The, Dak should have, Dak did the right, he made the right read. He went to the um, number well, two I receiver. I think, I, Ferguson is booty butt naked open, though. <laughs> yeah, the I G- think. Jair's playing so I, far off. Well, that would, he, Dak would need to get there. I, th- I think he makes the right read, and I but Savage is looking at him like he don't, I don't even think he's looking at the receiver, and uh, he just jumps the route. Th- this kind of this is the same type. This is play happened in the Ravens 49ers game, and Purdy um, made the wrong read and threw the ball right at the defender's head. Um, <laughs> but he's like Dak's not even looking at whoever the inside receiver is. And he's going to meet. He sees man coverage. And he's going immediately to the number two inside, and that's what Savage sees, and he just jumps it. So right read, but great play by Savage to yeah. I think it was eyes. just a really good play. All right. Do you do you think that the fact that the Packers run it all the time helped Savage? Like it's something that he's seen. Probably. Yeah. Because that's that's how it's it's read out. Like against zone, they'll read that. Um, so basically, so hang on, let me, let me back up here. They're running a five man pressure, right? So that's a three deep three under, Yeah. Um, but it's more man coverage than anything. But the way Rogers would read it is Savage comes down as kind of that middle hook zone defender on the hash or middle hook player on the hash. And the way Rogers would read it is he would read what that defender does. So if he widens to the number two, Rogers would throw the inside slant. If he breaks on the number three, he would throw that slant from number two inside uh, because that guy's essentially one-on-one and there's a window. Uh, Savage knows that. He's seen this concept probably a million times, and so he's reading Dak immediately go to number two, and he just jumps the route. Yeah, and the rest is history. (laughs) All right, Paul, now you have to uh, write a nice article about Savage so his agent apologizes to you. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah, he DM'd me. Uh, don't Rich, have you had that happen? Um, no. I think the only player I've had like respond to me or quote tweet me negatively was this guy Trent Brown, who used to play left tackle for the Forty ers the right <laughs> tackle. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Chip Kelly era Forty ers you oh, know, man. and then one year into Shanahan, I basically said that. Um, they're going to get rid of Trent Brown because he can't run outside zone because he doesn't move well in space. And they got rid of him to get a guy who could run block in space, Mike McGlinchey. And he found the tweet and like quote tweeted me. Um, at that point, I was like, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> it's happened I ended already. up being right. Yes. So. Goodbye. Well, um, so Paul wrote an article. Was this like during the fifth year option? 
Uh, it was definitely during or shortly after, yes. And um, yeah, it was like Savage isn't good. And then this dude sent Paul his own article in his DMs. He was like, you don't know Paul, you piece of crap talking about. I'm like, whoa, dude. And he was like, he clearly been doing it to a lot of people. We had a conversation mm-hmm. about the proper way to represent your client, and he backed off. So uh, don't do that to me. I do this for a living. Um, all right. <laughs> all right. Uh, Rich, we, we should probably let you get out of here for uh, – bedtime purposes yeah so, i gotta get the girls to bed yeah so. i just came from doing yep. that myself so yeah uh, I, I also do that before yeah <laughs> time, time zone separation parenting but uh thank you very hey, much Matt. are we are we all three all three of the major time zones then eh because yeah because eastern doesn't count that's right <laughs> um i was squatting in the uh back squatting in the garage gym tonight before i jumped on so heck yeah all right. Uh, Rich and I actually, Rich follows my, my lifts, liftstagram. He's probably the only person within Packers Twitter who does. <laughs> uh, the, the lifting is strong within, within the area, though. So I, I bet not the only. I feel like you guys talk about, I think Justice is usually in the lifting talk, too, isn't he? Occasionally. Tyler, but, um, too, a I little bit. Uh, Ferd Turgeson, uh, my Monty, buddy Monty. Yeah. yeah. M- Monty and I are actually like lifting buddies, probably first. Gotcha. All right. Well, uh, powerlifting now out of the way. That is now a meme on here, I feel like, too. So everybody drink <laughs> at home. And uh, Rich, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. me on. And thanks, uh, yeah, we know more about the 49ers now. So uh, yeah. go check out Rich's work at APC and all the San Francisco places. And uh, uh, we'll we'll catch up after the playoffs. <laughs> see, see how that yeah. goes. I mean, I, you'll see, I'll be in the group chat. I don't, yeah. You guys know I don't talk shit, so it doesn't oh, matter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're pretty respectful. Oh. Except too. you literally were talking shit the other day. You were like, you're, you were like, was oh, I? Shanahan will send Barry home. Like, well, that's that's talking well shit. it was that's more like, maybe, I, well, <laughs> hey, I said help with the decision. So he'll yeah, eat, uh, either ensure that Barry stays or ensure that Barry is gone. Uh, okay, I totally read that as like, as like he's going <laughs> to I mean, be the I reason like, you actually fight. I feel like getting on anybody for talking shit about Barry in the slack is getting on everybody because none of us like it. We all talk shit about yeah, but, but Rich, I, yeah. Rich drops in like WCW Sting, like out of the rafters, takes his mask off, hits us with a baseball bat, and then leaves for three days. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, the, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of group chats, and it's hard to follow <laughs> a lot of the time. I, I've that started is. a new position this fall, so it's really hard to like – get online and check things so oh yeah. sure dude i this, try to be more active that's crazy but... oh yeah understood <laughs> nine to five not around that much so yeah Is there... all right well thanks again for joining us appreciate no, it thanks for having me appreciate it. i'll see you guys in the chat yep see you in the chat <laughs> all right everybody go check out rich's writing and uh, matt and i will uh take it from here you guys of course left us so many questions as you always do uh, thanks so much. We'll, we'll get to the rest of the Packard points that I wrote down in the rundown via, via question here one way or oh, another. Also, uh, as is tradition, anytime I'm on a podcast where someone leaves, the moment they leave, I say super nice things about them. Yeah. Uh, Rich has been just a phenomenal addition to the Slack chat in um, breaking down film and making it uh, easily. Like, in the exact same way that people talk about you for making advanced stats uh, <laughs> approachable, 
Rich does that for film. He does. He breaks he's great. things down very well. Uh, he's great. He's a good addition, too, just because of the 49er Packer lineage that exists. Uh, it has for, like, ever at this point. Um, oh, and, and we forgot to talk about Jerry Rice fumbling. Yeah, it's all right. Oh, darn it. But, like, <laughs> it, it's, like, one thing, you can go and get any, like, guy who's good at studying film and have that person ta- tell you, like, what the concepts are and what people are doing. But it's an extra level of uh, of context to like be versed in like the Shanahan system and then come to work on the Lafleur system because you know a lot more about like the theoretical underpinnings of what's going on. He's great at that. So yeah, go check out his work. It's really really good read. <laughs> what theoretical underpinnings should be the name of the, po- the uh, episode this week? <laughs> Maybe it will be because I don't have one yet. So. <laughs> that is possible. Let's get to questions, though, because otherwise we will never finish this thing. And you know how that goes. Um, okay, so you're going to have to guide me through. I got it. I got it. Yeah, jumping I got, all over. I got there. notes. I got notes. So we're oh, gonna... we mentioned the rundown. Drink. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, I will endeavor to not miss anybody. I don't think I will. I've been trying to rearrange people who we skipped over. So let's let's go kick back up to the top uh, for Jonathan Deal. Um, is this the greatest playoff debut in NFL history? And uh, <laughs> we were talking about this a lot today. So, dude, you spent like all morning on this question. Well, I mean, I, I didn't spend all morning on it. I spent like thirty-second increments, half an hour apart between meetings, typing new sure. things. I, in the I, I should rephrase. <laughs> you personally did not spend all morning on this, but you bogarted the Slack chat all morning. I did. That's this, true. With this I topic, did. Um, because yeah, once I figured out how to do it, it was just changing a couple of parameters. So. Um, the actual answer is probably no, technically speaking. And um, no matter how you slice it, um, the the playoff debut um, top 10 has a lot of weirdness to it. Um, it. It just does. So the actual number one answer, do you want to do the honors or should I do the honors? Uh, sorry, I uh, closed my Zoom window because I was zooming in on your graphic. On my graphic? Okay, well, <laughs> I, I can read it in small type. So I'll, the, the the best playoff debut of all time per uh, adjusted net yards per attempt is Tim Tebow <laughs> um, in that one game that Tim Tebow had. So, oh, the, uh, yeah, the um, uh, against Demarius the Broncos Thomas touchdown yes, game. Yes, that one. Uh, and the reason yeah. Tim Tebow's numbers are so good in that game are because he averaged 31 yards per completion. <laughs> he only completed 10 <laughs> passes, but they went for 31 <laughs> yards each. <laughs> so, oh my God. Tim Tebow, look, Tim Tebow played quarterback the way that people play Madden, yes. right? And and that is the most Madden-ass stat line that has ever existed. It is. I, I he do completed think... 50% of his passes for over 300 yeah. yards. The list is a good cautionary tale on sample size, I feel. And we've had a big sample on Love being good now. But it's worth noting that a lot of the best playoff debuts for an organization are just random nonsense. Like Dave Craig uh, in, in, a, in a game for the... Seahawks against the Broncos in 1983 is third on the list and he was like 12 of 13. I double checked to see that he, if he was hurt <laughs> during the game, he was not. He quarterbacked the whole game <laughs> and they didn't have a 100-yard rusher in that game. Uh Kurt Warner, the other Kurt Warner, had 99 yards rushing. That was the rushing attack. Yeah, Kurt uh, Warner with a C. Yes, Kurt Warner with a C. Num- the, the number two debut with a team, it's hard to parse this, was Jeff Hostetler, not in the Super Bowl, for the Raiders the next year <laughs> in the playoffs against the Broncos again. The Broncos take it on the chin a lot in this. Uh, in this. It's their fault. <laughs> so here's the thing. It, it is 
it, it either Love's game or C.J. Stroud's game are probably the best debut that a quarterback's ever had in the playoffs. And it just depends on what metric you're using. Uh, Love's higher in DVOA. Uh, I think he was higher in DYR too. Um, but uh, in ANYA, um, that is C.J. Stroud, just a hair ahead of him. So um, they were both phenomenal. Uh, and they both had the same passer rating when it was all Who's said and done. Who's number six? Um, it's Lynn oh, Dickey. It's Lynn Dickey. Lynn Dickey's number Lynn Dickey's six. Number, yeah. yeah, so Jordan Love just passes Lynn Dickey in terms of NEA. Yep. So, so good. That's um, okay, interesting note that I'm now using my my uh, um, pattern-defining brain to see. It takes until ninth to get someone who passed 30 times. Oh, no. It's Brock Purdy. So, yes, Brock Purdy with San Francisco, uh, 18 of 30 <laughs> <laughs> for 332 yards. Oh, man. Um, and then after that is Kurt Warner with the greatest show on turf. The other Kurt uh, Warner. 27 of 33, um, but he had an interception. So he had five touchdowns in Oh, boy. Yeah, you need um, a lot of touchdowns to be up there with that pick. But, okay, so your your filters here, um, did you do it by attempts or by yards? Because um, I, I, I remember you said there were a bunch of old-timey games. I that, did do that, it by 200-yard minimum. I think this is that. I'm pretty sure it is. Okay. Yeah, so I wonder. Yeah, because we eliminated this... Jay Fiedler's Jacksonville second half. That's it's gone. So yes, that's yeah. right. Because yeah, you said that there was a bunch of like like three yards in a cloud of dust. Yep. Era of games. Um, I wonder if you were to rerun this thought experiment with thirty as the minimum, like to to have a more like modern day, like like full game stat line, like what that would look like. Because uh, obviously, have, but this, that would this have... would mean that. Purdy would have been number one. It would have eliminated, eliminated love, so that would have eliminated love. That's not helped a, yeah. us. So I'm just, I'm just saying. I want, I want to know what like a voluminous one looks like. All right. Well, I will attempt to run that surreptitiously over the course of the podcast. <laughs> but it's harder to do without Jr. here to, you know, vamp. So um, surreptitiously drink. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's your, that's in, your five dollar word for the day. <laughs> <laughs> that it is. All right. Let's move on to. Next question from John P., obviously a down lineman. Uh, Dallas demonstrated that it is hard to play offense, throwing and receiving at least, with your hands around your neck. Yeah, okay. That's understandable. Even a little bit of tightness can throw off timing. I can't understand how the Dallas D afforded love at Al so much time to allow routes to mature, Parsons included. Do you have thoughts about this, and will this hold up in San Francisco? Oh, man. Parsons was kind of a... I'm not going to say he was a non-factor, but like... I think... um, this was, uh, as we talked about earlier, the Packers did establish themselves as the more physical team, and that goes to the blocking of Parsons, both on the offensive line uh, by both of our tackles. Rasheed Walker, in particular, that was very good in pass protection, and in Aaron Jones just getting a, You know what? We should have mentioned that as one of the plays where we knew they were going to win. When Aaron Jones stonewalled uh, When he Parsons. hurt him, yeah. When he stonewalled mm-hmm. Micah Parsons, and Micah Parsons had to leave because he got hit in the ribs so hard. Um, that was also a good indicator that this was not going to go well for the Cowboys. <laughs> so I, I, I also want to bring up the first play in the red zone for the Packers. Um, they ran duo, and Tucker Craft was asked to wham block. Yep, my, my uh, I presence. saw. Yes, this is now the. Did you see my tweet portion of the podcast? I didn't. I I did not say. Tweet. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying not. it. I'm saying it. But yes, yes, I did. And you, yeah. So it, your tweet was good. So you should actually talk about it. So it was a nearly identical play 
to the one that failed. Okay, by the way, this play failed, but not because of the wham block. Yeah. Um, it's a nearly identical play that failed against the Raiders when they asked him to do so against Max Crosby, yep. who just skirted him and tackled the ball carrier, who I believe was Emmanuel Wilson. I think it was Emmanuel Wilson. I think that's right. Um, who I think was the ball carrier this time. Oh, was it? No. Now that I'm thinking about it. It might have been. 31, you got right? some carries. Yeah, that's 31. Yeah, so Emmanuel Wilson was was the ball carrier in this play as well. Um, they ran it against the Rams very successfully um, in November. And then, yeah, so very similar play was run against uh, Dallas, first play in the red zone. And Kraft just threw Parsons out of the club, man. Yep. Like stonewalled him and then moved him five yards. It was crazy. It was. It was great. Um, it was a very physical game. The 49ers left. do have a very good front, but the Packers' offensive line is good at this, and they've had several good games in a row, especially in pass pro. Um, and Love is also very good at buying time and getting rid of the ball on time. So I think it will hold up. I, like, I don't think the, it's not like I think the 49ers will get no pressure. Certainly, you know, they will, but I think that the, the Packers are well suited to stop them. This is not like the last time we played when we were starting some jag that wasn't supposed to be playing dennis kelly was that oh my god really did i I pull that right that's what happened right that sounds familiar yeah at the game we were at isn't (laughs) oh the game that we were at yes Yes. uh oh my god the packers wasn't billy turner billy turner was starting a right tackle that game like coming off of an injury like lafleur ruined the offensive line chemistry yeah yeah that's right that's what happened yeah uh, so it's so sad it is um also Shout outs to Elton Jenkins for making his holding penalty worth it. <laughs> it's like he got he he legitimately got beat by Michael Parsons yep. to he then choke slammed and landed on his leg. Yep. <laughs> All right. R- really, really quick, I do want to revisit I'm I'm taking time to revisit two questions really fast. because uh, Max did ask, what if Aaron Rodgers played in the Shanahan uh, uh, uh does Jordan Love answer the question if what if Aaron Rodgers played in the Shanahan offense? And I think uh, the question is interesting. We should revisit it because I think we've seen what happens when Aaron Rodgers plays in the Shanahan offense, which is that he doesn't run it. Because as Rich said when he was here, um, the Shanahan offense likes to be run as it's run and not by a guy who is willing to do anything to change things up. And I don't think that Jordan Love is the answer to this question because uh, this is where the LaFleur offense is different and where you allow a quarterback like Love to actually make adjustments to pick on weaknesses, and he does a very good job of it. So um, I think Brock Purdy might actually be kind of the perfect quarterback to be in the Shanahan offense because you do kind of need a robot who won't change the plays, uh, or at least change the plays much, like maybe one out of every 20 times. Uh, but Aaron in the Shanny offense doesn't work. Aaron likes to do stuff, and Shanny doesn't like people to do stuff. That's that's what we saw. <laughs> um so I think that's the real answer to that question. Um, Shanahan offense isn't perfect. It has a few limitations. One of those limitations is that um, it is built on what has been established on previous plays. And if you stray from it, you might ruin a counter to those plays that Kyle has in mind. Um, so that is one of its limitations. And Aaron did that and ruined a lot of those things. Uh, so, so that. Yeah. And, and the second also, question, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I looked up snap counts from the, that divisional game. Yep. Um, the starting offensive line was uh, Turner, Runyon, Patrick, Kelly, Myers. I thought so. All right. So, yeah, not a, not a good O-line that game. Nope. Bad. 
And uh, uh, in terms of why do we think Lafleur's not good at hiring people, uh, I, there's a lot of nepotism in the NFL. I don't think he's special there. Um, they should be a little more self-critical, but. Also, like he went out and got like like the the hottest special teams yeah, like, coach that's out the there. Like, like he went out and got hiring him. Like, Rich Pasaccia is actually like a smart idea. It's good in concept. He's very mm-hmm. good at this. Everywhere else he's been, the fact that it hasn't worked is a different problem than him hiring bad people. They like yeah. they paid a lot to fix special teams. They're not fixed, but the process wasn't bad there. So mm-hmm. yeah, and right. I, I also think that Barry clouds. A lot, a lot of the judgment there. Yep. While we're talking about Mr. Barry, we have, of course, as we always do, a, a bevy of Joe Barry questions. So Ooh, I was going to say litany. Litany is good. I like that. Uh, got a thesaurus. One here. of my favorite poems, by the way, "Litany" by Billy Collins. There's your, there's your homework for. Th- <laughs> okay. Uh, so first, Richard Proctor. Surely this game sealed Joe Barry's fate, right? Uh, the front no, it o- didn't. And don't call me sure. Not the front office. The front office sees the game. Uh, the same 8 to 11-yard gains it gives up on first downs, right? It won't confuse Mike McCarthy's play calls and Dak's decisions for Barry's brilliance, will it? I enjoyed the game that ruled overall. I'm not a complete grump. Um, no, it did not seal his fate. And um, especially, I think the compl- I think everything that happened after halftime will be discounted. And mm-hmm. somewhat justifiably, yes, they gave up 25 points way too fast. That did happen. Um, but they put in all their backups who had not practiced all week. Uh, They were definitely instructed to do the standard, just keep the ball in front of you, uh, which is fine, although it helps if you keep guys in bounds and actually run clock and all that stuff and prevent touchdowns, which they didn't do. But, like, Barry, I think, actually coached a pretty good game, all things considered. Yes, Mike and Dak had problems, but they didn't all the rest of the year. And I don't think you can hold this game against Barry too much. Like, this was a pretty good performance. Uh, I, I I don't like him, and they should move on from him because we have a long track record, and you shouldn't judge people off one game. But this was fine. Barry coached fine. Matt does not disagree. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe he does. He lo- Dang it. Uh, that's okay. gone. So I tried to unmute myself and turn my <laughs> video off. Okay. I, so I, I was just Googling this because I was like, there was a white guy in at safety. Like <laughs> like when they gave up 25 points. And I was like, who the hell was that? It was Zane Anderson, yeah, was the guy that none of us believed existed all year. <laughs> I've still never officially seen him. So, so I mean, you saw him miss tackles. So yeah, I think anything yeah. after the anything after the fourth quarter started, it just gets forgotten. Yep, a hundred percent. Like the Barry story is still to be written, and a lot of it will be written against the Forty ers um, Staring at the blank page before you, open up the dirty window. That's right. The sun illuminate the words that you can not find reaching. For something in this the has distance. been a very literary episode of reporting. I mean, this is a song, Paul. That's the songs <laughs> unwritten are just, by songs no, are just un- poems, <laughs> and words are just spells. <laughs> okay, Aaron Rodgers. Um, but yeah, that was uh, unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield. Yeah. Very popular when I was in high school. All right, uh, David asks: Is Rod Marinelli's son-in-law ruining Jordan Love's perfect <laughs> passer rating, his most fireable offense thus far? And and wow. yes. That was annoying. That was legitimately annoying. And so it went down to was it one fifty seven? Was that his? Uh, it was one fifty seven point two, I think, which was the same as CJ Stroud exactly. Um, oh jeez. Yep. <laughs> uh, similar thing happened to Rogers, but that was MVS's fault. Yeah. And and again, like uh, they were just trying to not get people hurt, but uh, it was maybe just a hair too early to go to super prevent on defense so it was so bad yeah and and yes that was not great i really wish he could have finished with the perfect passer rating it was very annoying um but what are you gonna do uh all right and jack bushman asks what was playoff joe barry's defense doing that made life so hard for dak Uh, honestly it seemed like a familiarity like like we were talking about earlier where like savage knew exactly what the read was on that play yeah, it just seemed like they they were reading right from McCarthy's playbook. And I think that's why Mike probably does get fired and does deserve to get fired is the standard Mike McCarthy problem. There are no surprises. Like, Mike runs his stuff and counts on C.D. Lamb just being better than the guy guarding C.D. Lamb for it to work and Dak being better than most quarterbacks for it to work. And if you know what's coming, that just doesn't work. That doesn't work in the modern NFL. So I, I think that is mostly it. They did their homework. They knew what plays were going to be run. They covered them well. And it just frustrated the hell out of them. Uh, so that's really it. 49ers are not the same. This is different. Um, this is like, it's weird how similar the Cowboys and 49ers were in the regular season. Like they were barely different in any major stat in, in point differential and DVOA. Um, but it's just very clear that the 49ers are much, much better. <laughs> yep, but they're also adaptive. They I are. I think that's the difference. Yes, they are. That is it. Uh, and our last Joe Barry question. That's not true. There's some sub-Joe Barry questions down later. Um, has Joe Barry truly adapted his scheme, or are the players just playing better? Is it enough to save his job? Eh. <sighs> uh, it's players enough to postpone, right? It's enough to postpone yeah. the decision. And they are playing but better. But look, man, like we've... We've been through this before yeah. when Jair went up to a microphone and was like, the players are calling the defense. And everyone was like, okay, cool. Joe Barry is listening to his players. I think that was the terminology that people yep. used. Um, but that's just kind of how it feels now. I'm not I mean, say that I, hope, I hope the man's just on a heater and just like, um, I hope he's like the guy who um, is not great at studying week to week when the when there's not huge deadlines, but then like, 
when it gets crushing and its majors like can pull himself together for just long enough to get it done. That's what I hope he is because that's the situation why, we're in. Why would you insult me on my own podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I've never been so accurately insulted in my life. I've I have never been so offended by something I 100% agree with. <laughs> Look, man, that's my ADHD superpower, all right? Like, I can do a full day's work in 45 minutes. Yep. It's, it's a good power to have. All right, now we have some Jordan Love questions. I've grouped these together for expediency. Yep. Um, Mark Putzgarby, who is usually first and probably was first because this is all out of order now. Um, I have seen some people talk about how Jordan Love has gone through the Josh Allen transformation this year. My question is, have NFL coaches learned how to develop accuracy in recent years? These both aren't just random occurrences, right? And does that change how we should evaluate college quarterbacks going forward? And uh, Evan, not to text Weston, I believe has a similar question, which should Jordan Love's ludicrous success cause teams to reevaluate how they approach their quarterback situations? If you're a playoff team with a good but not good enough quarterback like Miami or Dallas or an aging star like the Rams, would you follow our example and take a quarterback in the first round and sit him for a couple of years? Uh, I mean, you used to do that, right? That used to be the it move. used to be the norm. Like Steve Young was uh, actually he was a starter in Tampa for like a year, I think, right? And then he Steve ended, Young was a st- also and, and uh, USFL. Played in the USFL. Yeah, okay. Good so point. him and Jim Kelly played in the Million Dollar Bowl. Like, yeah, that was. Um, so, I mean, also Steve Young was accurate in college. He that's, was. He was not fair. So, but to answer Mark's question, Paul, what's my what's my catchphrase about data? Uh, you have a catchphrase about data. You need three points to build a trend. Yes, okay. Three points to build a trend. We've got two. I think we have more than two. You think we have more than two like like very inaccurate college quarterbacks who were inaccurate in the NFL and then randomly turned it around? Uh, yes, but I'm having trouble thinking of my third <laughs> example. But I did have one. I was like, because we, so, we got Love and Allen. Mahomes that, wasn't super accurate in college. He got, but Mahomes, Mahomes in college was freelancing a lot. It's the, it's the, uh, I mean, it's the Jaron Reed problem, right? Like, like he looks bad on paper because they were just yeeting the ball to him. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. And and Mahomes was doing like Mahomes things in college without Travis Kelsey. And also Tyree true. Hill. Yeah, but he also played in a garbage conference with no defense. <laughs> that's true. But also he played for Texas Tech. Like, <laughs> I mean, how good? That's that is a true thing. So. um all right so okay that's fine but i do i think that this does call for a reevaluation of how you do things especially toolsy guys i think that one of the major problems with quarterback development and selection forever but certainly um recently is picking a toolsy guy and starting him right away and not sitting him for two or three years and um, I was, where the hell was, I must have been in the mini pod last week. I talked to somebody else on a microphone at some point. Maybe it was on Asgos, Wisconsin. Um, you, when you are, when you have Jordan Love problems or Josh Allen problems, and Josh did start right away. <laughs> when you have Jordan Love problems though, um, if you are going through the NFL process of preparing for opponents week to week, you're not working on like throwing mechanics, at least not very much. Whereas right, if, but- where that Josh Allen was was inaccurate at first, and yeah. then after an off season, came back fixed. Yes. So so you are correct in that the the week to week thing doesn't help. Right, and, and I I do think that there have been major advances in repairing throwing motions, and at least 
Uh, I don't. So the big thing is, I don't think you can really fix like processing speed that well. I think that's just the thing that um, if you're slow at it, it's very difficult to get fast at it. It's hard to scout. Like it, it just is. Like the stupid S2 cognition test that said that Bryce Young was so good, and now those guys are eating shit every week for. Um, like was, tried to measure that, but did a bad job. Like I did a better job scouting uh, C.J. Stroud by watching how fast his head moved than they did by testing people. So. Um, <laughs> But like getting that's kind of it is like getting through your reads under pressure. Um, and I guess if you go back to Jordan Love in college, he actually kind of did that. Um, a lot of his interceptions weren't because he made the wrong read. They were because he kind of threw a crappy ball slightly behind his guy or like a little bit too low and not I mean, not like skying it to really tall guys. He had a lot of really tall guys in college. And, and like that precision really did fix him. And, and so he was always pretty good at reading stuff. And I don't know if Alan was, I, I have not watched his college tape cause it's, it's on like 35 millimeter VHS tape. <laughs> didn't play at the top level. Um, but uh, I do think that if you take a toolsy guy, that makes sense. You should do that. And if you do have a quarterback who you're not confident in, if you go and grab a guy like Anthony Richardson, who did start right away and got hurt, um, but or, or Love, or like a guy who the 70 arm who's maybe not super accurate, that's a good strategy. You should do that and evaluate that guy. And then if you decide he's not good, you can move on. And if you want to give him one shot, you can. But you shouldn't do that with like a guy who, like you shouldn't do it with Fields. I, I saw some people in Chicago saying like, oh, well, Fields hasn't been in the league that long. They could stick with him and still fix Like, no, Fields was accurate in college. Fields um, does not have the tools that Jordan Love does. His arm is not as good. He's fast. That's a di- that's that's different. Um, he, he does not have a 70 arm. He's got like a 45. And um, he is kind of what he is. Uh, you know, he he's not good at avoiding sacks. That's not a guy to put on your bench and develop. That's not going to work. But if you get the big giant like Josh Allen and Jordan Love types, I think that is a good idea. So, yeah, I think there's something to that. So you're saying that you should draft Tim Boyle and sit him. <laughs> it helps if they show some level of acumen at college. Oh, my God. You ever, you ever look at Tim Boyle's college Yeah, stats? he's like the worst quarter, college quarterback of the last 10 years or something like that. I, I would I would posit, like, like I have no evidence to support this off the top of my head, but I would bet you that he is like bottom five worst statistical college quarterbacks to ever take a snap yep. in the NFL. I agree with that. You can't just take a big arm guy. They have to do something right. And like kudos to the love scouts. Like they made the correct decision that he could actually get through his reads and was a smart guy. And same with Allen, honestly, like that was also good, especially down a division. Um, yeah. You can't just grab any random Tim Boyle or Kyle Bowler and Kyle Bowler and have that work. That's not how this works. All right. Um, I lost my place on questions, but let's get back to it. Um, we were on uh, Jordan <laughs> questions. We're on to Jay Google. Jay Google. Uh, oh, these are fun. <laughs> Jay Google and Scott together. Was Aaron Rodgers wasting Jordan Love's prime? Um, re- really quick. Do you, let's turn that into a real question. If Jordan doesn't sit the whole time, what do you think happens? I think uh, if Jordan comes in after Rodgers breaks his thumb last year, we would see a similar arc. I'm, so you you'd get seven games of, but then there would be like some some flashes at the end. I think that's probably true. I worry a little bit with the old weapons, like they had Watson and Dobbs, and maybe that's enough. Yeah, but here's the thing: I think if Rodgers goes on IR, Lafleur gets control of the offense back. Yeah, and 
then but you I, don't see the olds on the field. Well, okay, but you can't. Those are only two guys. Like you're gonna have Mercedes or Bob out there, and you're gonna have like Pop Lazar probably Robert, still out there. Large Robert is fine. I think. I think that uh, Chicago has been ruining him. Like Fair. He's, he's a he's a mediocre tight end. I just that they paid a lot of tight end. Money I think for. our weapons got awesome this year. I think that they were not awesome last year. They were they were. <laughs> I mean, th- that can't go completely discounted, right? Like, yeah. Because the rise of Jordan Love has also included the meteoric rise of our youngs. Right. So yes, and Scott, of course, piles on. Was Aaron Rodgers wasting Matt Lafleur's prime? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> he, he definitely uh, the se- was. The was it the season ending RPO at the goal line? Yeah, season that ending RPO was, at the goal line. Um he, that def- was, he pissed away a couple uh, that somebody posted it today that that I think it's Josiah Deguera getting open over the middle on a seam and then he throws it 10 yards over Alan covered Alan Lazard out of bounds like that that's Aaron I mean, in a nutshell. The 49ers divisional game Alan Lazard was running booty butt naked open. And sure was. Oh, that was so annoying. Ugh. Oh, and, and I was I was in the end zone behind Aaron Rodgers, and I could see it. And literally everyone in my section is screaming, Lazard! Yep. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's move I'm on to... Mad ag- I'm mad again. Now. I know. Let's move on to goot questions. Um, so Donald Anderson, our keeper of the um, personal foul stat... The Packers have gone zero games since receiving a personal foul, but you know what? Who cares today? They won. Yes, indeed. Uh, here's the question. Gutekinds' six drafts can be grouped three ways. 2018 and 2021, hot garbage. 2019 and 2020, hot meh. 2022 and 2023, hot damn. Much like what we have learned at QB, do we have to admit we actually have a good GM? Um, I think you have to include 2020 and hot damn. Yeah, I think so. That's because I it's look, the love that, draft. Yeah. It, right. You, that's that's the rule. Like you draft your franchise quarterback. I do not give a damn nope. what you did with the rest of the picks. Nothing else matters. A hundred percent agree. So I think right. he is. Calm good. down, James Hetfield. I, I, and I think um, I'm not going to put bad drafting on Aaron Rodgers. That's not fair. Even if it was fair, it would be the front office's fault for doing it. But I think mm-hmm. that there were at least some old timey scouts and some old timey people who um, were ensconced in the old ways who did dumb things too often and like the amari rogers pick is primo amongst them here's the thing that bothers me look ted thompson had his old timey ways but he still had athletic metrics that you had to hit which is weird that they picked that guy but uh, i feel like there were doesn't hit any of there were a couple of couple of guys every draft that were kind of like that and uh, I feel like that's been completely exercised. And it's not just athletic metrics. Like, not everybody on the team who's super awesome now was a super athletic guy. Like, Dontavian Wicks has a good but not great Raz. It's well within their thresholds, but it's not like he's the world's greatest receiver of all time. Um, so, like, they seem to have gotten much more disciplined than what they look for. Uh, they're much more on the same page as to what they want these guys doing on the field. Like, teaming up Musgrave and Kraft, I feel like, is great drafting. Like, we... It's a good tight end draft. We need guys to do these d- distinct things, and these guys do distinct different things that we can use. And they pick both of them. That's that's good drafting. Um, I think he's very good. I think there's no way to say good against just anything other than a very good drafter at this point. And combine that with the fact that their pro personnel scouting is so good as well. Oh my god! So um, I, I was going to say like you cannot discount his ability to pick off of practice squads. Yep. Holy crap! Indeed. So yeah, we like, have a good the, GM. The, the person everyone is mad about 
the Packers not having right now, Gutekinds pulled from someone else. Yeah. And look at what, like, we could be the Saints right now. And maybe we'll turn into them still. But we have a quarterback and they don't. Um, but, like, we, I think, we're, we went into this season prepared to be like, okay, we're eating the, the salary cap. And we'll, we'll do this with young guys. And maybe it'll work, maybe it won't, but we'll get right in a couple of years. Like, how many teams would have gone out and just grabbed, like, a random veteran wide receiver or tight end or two just to, you know grease the skids into the next era and paid an extra you know six to eight million dollars to do it to some sammy watkins junk <laughs> i was gonna um, say uh, pay 10 million dollars to alan lazard yes that <laughs> like they could have done just to bring back a familiar guy they could have done that and they didn't and what other team we're the youngest team in the league the youngest team to, to be, make the playoffs to win a playoff game and you know why because we oh, didn't also yeah guess what else what the only seven seed to ever win only a game. seven seed to ever win a game because we didn't do that. We have all rookie receivers. I remember in the past uh, uh, suggesting that we don't do things like Sam sign Sammy Watkins or a veteran at certain positions and getting yelled at by people saying, like, oh, you can't have all rookies at that. That's not fair to Aaron and that's not going to work. And, blah. and I, my response is always, um, guys, come along a lot more quickly than you think. And if you, you know, sometimes we had cap problems. We had. Like, this is how you get out of cap hell and all that good stuff. And veterans are often quite bad and get hurt. And that's all true. And I'm going to point back to the season a million times in the future whenever somebody says that in the future. I love so, this season. As of right now, guess how much of the salary cap is not on the field? Um, was it like 95? $95, $95 million, million dollars. is not on the field right now. Um, I do not want to sign mercedes lewis for three million dollars right. just so he can give locker room speeches yes. i don't i'm sorry like and people whose opinion i believe in and who are into the young things are still after the bears game are over there on the twitter.com going like well i but i still wish they had big dog and it's like why why <laughs> no you don't you have Tucker Craft, who's awesome. Tucker, Tucker Craft, <laughs> look, Tucker Craft cannot pass block as well as Mercedes, and that is true. But damn it, if he can't move bodies in the run game, and yeah. that is something and the catch Packers have been missing. He's third, in, <laughs> he's third in DVOA. Kittle's one, Isaiah likely's two, Tucker Craft is three. And um, they don't combine playoff performance. I wonder what Musgrave is after that stupid catch. <laughs> oh, so I Okay, I wonder... Mercedes lost the game for the Packers against the 49ers, right? I that was when Rodgers changed. I don't remember. So Mercedes had a fumble. It was early in the oh, game. Oh, he like, did? Like That's the, right. The Packers were cooking, and then Mercedes had a fumble, He did. and then Rodgers changed and started staring down his buddies yeah. that moment. Maybe so. So, no, I don't want Mercedes on my football field. No, I want all young guys who are awesome, which we have. Think and how look, good this Mercedes is. Mercedes is awesome. I'm not. I'm not going to deny the awesomeness of Big Dog, He's but I don't fine. want him on my football team. All right, Big Rig asks. So, did Goody have the leverage or not? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, did he ever! All right, let's save save some time. It was a good laugh. Good joke, Big Rig. Patrick Detmer asks. Will all the pundits and experts be talking about how the NFC North is the best division in football this off season, or will they try to convince us once again that this will be the Cowboys' year? Um. I mean, I don't really take any ownership of the quality of the division that we're in, and I don't think it's going to be very good other than us. So, um, you know, oh, because the Lions are going to get Lions super hangover. They're going to lose uh, Ben Johnson 
to one to one of the teams with a vacancy, mm-hmm. and the Vikings are going to have to either re-sign Kirk for something that cripples them. Um, they're fine, uh, but the Bears are like bordering on stupid already, and already did a dumb thing. But we should really, really quick Bears portion of the podcast. Uh, the Bears fired their uh, Luke Getze, right? They fired their offensive coordinator. Yeah, and guess guess who they interviewed? They they interviewed Roman. They now, interviewed Greg Roman. Greg Roman shouldn't be coordinating an offense now. He but for those just really, this won't be quick. This will be long. <laughs> Greg Roman was good at coordinating running quarterbacks for a while. We all know and love Greg Roman here as the guy who was the architect of Colin Kaepernick running all over us. Uh, He was uh, in the Harbaugh 49er administration. He was in Baltimore as Lamar Jackson's offensive coordinator for a while. But Greg Roman is not good at developing people as passers. And Lamar Jackson regressed as a passer under Greg Roman. Um, If you put Greg Roman on the Bears, you just ruin Justin Fields forever. And you're probably keeping Justin Fields because you need him to run the yep. Greg Roman offense. <laughs> that that was the general consensus in the Slack chat is like they interviewed Greg Roman and people were like, oh, uh, they're going to pass on Williams. They're going to pass on May. Like this, <laughs> It's an indicator that that is possible. Uh, also, just aside from that, firing your offensive coordinator but keeping your coach when you are likely drafting a quarterback, which they should do, is just setting everybody up for failure again for the zillionth time in a row because you're going to have a coach who's a lame duck with a brand new offensive coordinator who he was made to hire, and when everybody gets fired, it all starts over again, and you've lost a year of development. The Bears did this the last two times they had this, and they just can't get out of their own way. They're so dumb. All right, that's enough of that. Um, (laughs) This is your fault for saying that they were smart. They they. I mean, they've had good drafts. They've made some good moves. There's just too much. The owners, the, like uh, the stupid McCaskies, just they meddle too much and they ruin things. Yeah, man. You, you Look, you can build the best car in the world, but like the driver still has yep. to put it around the track. Ah. Anyway, um, I don't know what the best division will be next year, but it probably won't be the North. It, it, no, the best division is the NFC Central. <laughs> because we've got 75 we've got 75 percent of the nfc left in the in the playoffs true enough uh tampa all right uh cory schmidt asks obviously the packers are a long shot to beat san fran but i think we opened as like nine point dogs which seems like a opened as 10 10 Ooh, and the 49ers so it's, it's are, down they're good it's down to nine and a half yeah uh, like the 49ers are good but that does seem like a lot um that being said how would you define success for the upcoming game and what does a moral victory look like Look, man, if they don't get pantsed, yeah. I'm going to drink like it's a win. I think if they like get in a shootout and lose, that's just like the Barry sucking and the offense still being able to score on it anyway. That's good. If, if they don't lose, if like if the offense gets shut down a little bit, that's disappointing. But it would have to be pretty bad for me to be that disappointed. Like competitive is good. That's definitely a moral victory. Yeah. I'll take competitive. 100%. Um, I think cover the spread. Yeah, sure. Cover the spread's good. If they get blown out, that's not good, but whatever. This is all house money now. The 49ers are the class of the NFC. Losing to them is no shame. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't remember if I said it on this very podcast, but I do know I said it to many people in person. As soon as the Packers made the playoffs, I was like, they're going to beat the brakes off the Cowboys, and they're going to lose embarrassingly to the 49ers. Yeah, Those and that's the, a good prediction. The one thing that would drive me crazy is if we actually got past this gauntlet and lost to the Lions, that would not be good. That would be bad. And you know, I mean, the Lions can't look past the the Bucks, right? Like they can't. Absolutely not. The Bucks are playing well. But yeah, yeah. And, and if look, an NFC Championship game in Detroit would be so 
2010. Yep. Right? Like It would. Uh, All right. Price Drozen asks an interesting question. It looks like we're paying Aaron Jones next year. <laughs> would uh, he agree to a two-year deal? My 90s album title for this week is Congratulations, I'm Sorry, The Gin Blossoms 1996. I feel like you're really into The Gin Blossoms price, which I, I'm down with. I love them. Congrats to the team, and I'm sorry I'm encur- I, I was encouraging the tank this season. We all are. Don't worry about it. Not your fault. We were bad. Then we got good. Um, so this is good because, of course, the official position of the podcast is running backs don't matter. But Aaron Jones is way better than every other running back. <laughs> and it, it's it's like actually tactically different uh, in that when he's on the field, they never are in bad down and distance situations. And when Dylan's on the field, they get stuffed like one out of every two and a half, three carries and have to go, ten, you know, second, 11, third and six, seven. And that's no good. So um, Jones is awesome. He's an actual weapon. Um, he's actually ahead of McCaffrey in DVOA rushing the ball, not receiving. That's uh, that's a whole different thing. Um, he's old, but he is probably worth paying a, a certain high amount to. You don't want to sign him up for like four years because he's going to suck for two of those probably. Uh, he, he's a tough one because he is small and he's getting up there. But like, if they he's limited, you know they've limited his carries. He's limited his own carries by getting hurt a fair amount, but he's still explosive. So this might be one of this might be the rare. So I don't think Aaron Jones is going to go out there and get some ridiculous contract. I don't think a dumb team's going to give him many millions of dollars for many years. Like I think everybody's past that. I think could be wrong. <laughs> I don't know, man. Look, this is the year that we find out if Derrick Henry is is going to get paid. No one should pay Derrick Henry, <laughs> but you're yeah, right. But you are right. Someone's going to pay Derrick Henry a stupid amount of money, but and if they do, then someone's going to pay Aaron Jones. They've, Aaron Jones, they've already made rich, and if Aaron Jones is smart and the Packers are smart together, they should actually be able to come together on a fairly short but lucrative contract that's not crippling to the cap, and they should make that happen if they can. Well, his cap number is always is going to be borderline crippling next year, so they got to do something. they got to do something, yes. Um, it's either a cut or restructure, so we'll see. <sighs> All right. Uh, Made Wiley asks, is Zach Tom the most underrated offensive lineman in football? Damn skippy he is. He is. That is correct. He is uh, one of the highest rated PFF guys. He's clearly outstanding. They're definitely better when he's on the field, and nobody knows who Zach Tom is. So, yeah, he is. Um, yeah, because Zach Tom is actually Preston Smith in a different jersey. <laughs> He very well might be. All right, let's hustle look, this I'm up. Tell, I'm telling you, man. I know I tell they people, look very every similar. single time. But every time I tell people in person and I point them out, I'm like, "Hey, look at number 50." And then when the defense is on the field, look at 91. They're the same person. Yep. Um, also, Zach Tom in Madden Ultimate Team is the highest-rated uh, Packers offensive lineman, as he should be. Um, t- okay, he's he's tied because Packers chemistry. Uh, Corey Lindsley has a 90 overall. Um, Zach Tom has a 90 overall. And then, uh, oh, uh, new cards just came out for the playoffs, and uh, Rashid Walker has an 88 overall Good uh, left tackle. Good to see so he's the best left tackle. I still don't think Rashid is super good, but he is still very good. So that's fine. I think he's a very good pass-blocking yeah, left tackle, very good and that's kind, of all you, that's kind of all you asked for, right? It, it, yes, it is. Uh, my brother, Danny. Uh, after quite a few drinks during the game, I bought the domain AaronJonesForMVP.com, and now I'm not sure what to do with it. You guys want it? Matt, would you like it? Uh, I, I mean, of course. So FartMcDuty.com just forwards to the podcast. 
Yeah. Uh, Danny, if you if you do Aaron Jones for MVP and forward to the podcast, I, I, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world. He doesn't know how to do that. You'll have to do it for him. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Danny, hit me up. Yeah. So, yes, absolutely. Thank you. Um, uh, Matthew Van Hoovlin, uh is uh, offensive tackle still a primary need in next year's draft? It uh, seems like they have what they need there. Um, it, I mean, we're going to have to pay Zach Tom, right? We are going to have to pay Zach Tom. So uh, I think – what what do you think the big – so safety, corner, yes? Um, I mean, it's – honestly, like, look, man, they take a pass rusher. Yeah. Look, uh, they do take a pass rusher edge. in the first yeah. round. Uh, yeah, yeah, they do. They do. Especially with – Enoch Bari is going to be hurt all next season. Enoch Bari is hurt. Gary's weird. Like, uh, so Gary I, is I, weird. I have Preston a theory. Preston is old. Yeah, Preston is old. They're going to need to replace people. I think Gary is actually experiencing a very common post-ACL um, issue where you are okay right away and then you wear down pretty quickly. And I think he'll probably be fine next year. And I think he's also experiencing the post-ACL in that his lateral movement doesn't work very well. It does well, not. So it doesn't work very well. Yeah. So he's only running in straight lines. Which is a problem, but I think we'll get better next year. Ugh. Yeah, I know that we're not doing plugs yet, but uh, I was on the Pack-A-Day podcast live in this past week and uh, was only given the mic for a couple minutes because other people were talking a whole lot, um, and I used my time to insult Rashawn Gary. <laughs> well, all right, go check that out. Someone, Well, someone at the end did a super chat. Like They literally paid $5 to ask the question, like, yeah. where is Rashawn Gary? We're going to need him for the Dallas game. And I said, if you're looking for Rashawn Gary, check two yards behind the quarterback. <laughs> that is great. Um, well done. All right. Matthew also asks, can Carlson not kick the ball through the end zone, or is his failure to do so part of the team's strategy? And if a strategy, do you think it's a good one? I think Look, that's a- he, used, he used to. I think he can. I think it's a strategy, and I think it's a bad one because we're not that good at tackling. It do, it does work sometimes. Like we actually stopped the Cowboys well before the twenty five on several occasions, but they also busted mm-hmm. one to like the forty, which is I guess yep. the game you're playing there. They busted one to the forty like near the end of the game. They when did. They it was to. annoying. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it's a strategy. I don't think power is the problem there, and I think he can put it through the end zone indoors whenever he wants to. And I personally would just do that. <laughs> Look, man, if if you can hit a 56-yard field goal, you can absolutely hit it through the uprights yep. off of a tee. Totally. All right. Flaily Joel Osment with a very simple and basic question. What are expectations next season? Super Bowl or bust. Super Bowl or bust is next year. Absolutely. <laughs> Like this is we're 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 good. Uh, the problems that need to be fixed are fairly obvious and mostly on defense. It is Super Bowl or bust. Uh, it is this this team is ready to go. You got the quarterback. Those are the expectations. Uh, Mark Hackett, our good Irish patron. I recently compared. Um, by the way, Mark, um, whenever I read your questions or name, uh, I have a huge desire subconsciously to lapse into a very terrible Irish accent that I sometimes Which- do. <laughs> And I will not do it because it is. Would you like me to do it? So no, I, can be I will the offensive not. One? It's terribly and insulting. But you should know it's on the tip of my tongue every single time. Uh, I recently it's com- on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> I recently compared MLF to David Brent, but hereby retract that comment after Musgrave stayed on his feet, <laughs> which was a great in the post-game press conference. And yes, Matt LaFleur deserves a lot of kudos for it. My question is, how many kickers will the Packers work out at uh, next training camp? I have the over-under at 6.5. Big up to my fellow Patty Dan Whelan, a leg like a tra- a leg like a traction engine. Uh, dude is just out there wheeling and dealing. You yep. love to see it. 
they I mean very Whelan's good. Yes. the Whelan's the punter for the future, yeah. Yeah, he's good. He's fine. We're we're yeah. good with, we're good there. Um kicker though, yeah, they should bring in competition. He was you can't have your kicker missing extra points every freaking game. Um Do they ever have more than three kickers at a time? I don't think so. Uh yeah, so I'm I, take I think the it's, under. it's two, so take the under, yeah. Uh, but yes, they need competition there. That's maybe they can fix him. Maybe that big leg pays off. But geez, man, um, Scott. FYI, I no longer question if Matt Lafleur's best position is as McCarthy's offensive coordinator. <laughs> Seeing how that turned out, though, I do feel obligated to ask: Is Lafleur's best position as Kyle Shanahan's offensive coordinator? Actual question: With a future J Love extension likely to suck up cap space as soon as any appears, which Shanahan offense approach do you prefer? Expensive stud QB or effective riffraff and load up on supporting cast? I think that we are going to be the 2012 Seahawks. Okay. In that um, you have a fairly cheap quarterback and a bunch, the fairly cheap supporting cast that is all going to have to get paid at the same time. So I would rather move forward with the stud quarterback and then hope that our GM can continue to draft. Yeah. I think you do stud quarterback. And, um, you know, when quarterbacks in his prime and – Aaron is also a special case because he was like MVP, MVP, best quarterback, Hall of Fame, blah, blah, blah. That guy gets paid an absurd amount. Um, Jordan Love will get paid a huge, huge, huge ton, but will be planned well out for it. We won't be paying a bunch of other veterans, obscene amounts of money. And uh, yeah, I think Matt's right. Until we have to pay everybody on the supporting cast, it'll probably be fine. And I would rather have the good quarterback. You can't rely on having dregs at the quarterback even if you're Kyle Shanahan um you just can't and maybe Purdy is actually good maybe he's not if he's not he will eventually be exposed um that does happen to everybody eventually so (laughs) stuff gets figured out it happened to Goff right like Goff was a phenomenal system quarterback for McVay until he got destroyed in the Super Bowl yep and then he got into another good system that is slightly different Mm -hmm. but also plays to his his strength so uh, and then the Packers knew how to play against him, and he fumbled three times. Yep. All right. Brian, who is not a patron, but who I said would I would put in the rundown spontaneously when I was talking to him, asks, would beating the 49ers this weekend be the biggest playoff win since the Super Bowl? Mm. Maybe. I mean, I, I, are, are we talking like in terms of – because to me the biggest playoff win isn't the Super Bowl. In, in my – Is getting like, to the Super Bowl? It, it, yeah, beating the Falcons in Atlanta. All right. Um, is the big one for me beating the Bears while it was huge it, it didn't have the same because f- they went into Atlanta what like nine point underdogs yeah or they were like huge that? dogs in that game um, and then just beat the brakes off Atlanta so to me that's the biggest I think this would look coming into into Santa Clara as the 10 point dogs and beating Shanahan yeah this, to me this is the biggest uh, yeah I think that's fair I kind of agree with that I, I do wonder um what about the Cowboy Jared Cook game? I've, oh, the Jared Cook game was beautiful. It was pretty it beautiful. Really was. We went on to lose the next game, but that game was pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. It was, I, I think, because of the storybook ending, that that one gets a little bit more credit, just because it was like Rogers drawing a play up in the sand and Jared Cook having the first toe tap catch of his life. And Mason Crosby with the knuckleball kick to barely sneak in the upright. Like, yep. it, it, it's a storybook ending. To me, the game wasn't 
like, like it wasn't that good a tra- game all the way through. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, and and also the Tremont Williams pick six just before halftime against it was the Falcons. so good. It was so, but it, okay, one of uh, that was the game when I started to respect Joe Buck as a commentator. <laughs> okay. Do you remember what Joe Buck said? No, I probably didn't have it on. He said, he said, Matt Ryan tries to take a little more, but bites off more than he can chew. And I just love that <laughs> no, line pretty good. so much. It's pretty good. All right. Uh, Jeremy Nachman, behind the Packers winning the game, what would be some signs to look for in the divisional round that indicate LaFleur is getting smarter, quote, unquote, relative to Shanahan? Um, I don't know. Like, the, one of the things about the, the thing, they don't play against each other, you know? They play against the other team's defensive coordinator, and I'm sure that they lend their intelligence to the defense on the other side and they practice against each other and they know each other very well. Um, but I, I, I guess maybe one thing to look for would be um, a uh, Shanahan's going to, and the 49ers will have seen a lot of the last game's sort of trick plays that sprung Dobbs and Musgrave open. And I think one thing to keep an eye on will be counters off of that which are not easy because those were long developing plays where love was getting hit when he threw the ball um but the 49ers are going to be prepared for a lot more of the packers trickery than your average team certainly the cowboys and so i think uh creativity that fools even shanahan so a couple college open plays a couple huge plays where guys are like pantsed and wide open and nobody's around them that's how you can tell that Shanahan, like, that, that uh, somebody's teaching somebody some new stuff. That's what to look for there. If they can do it, maybe they can't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, I think res- responses to adversity, that's going to be your big... Yep, that's a good one. Uh, Jeremy Moen, just using my question... Oh, we're in uh, comments, not questions. Some of you just like to leave comments and didn't ask anything, although we'll answer any implied <laughs> questions that are here. Jeremy Moen, just using my question priority to allow uh, you all to vamp about the greatness of Jordan Love. Uh, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. No, 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 I won't do that. JR's not here or he would sing it. Um, uh, I mean, I can sing it if you'd like. Go for it. I would do anything for love. But I won't do that. Pretty good. Yeah, it's my best meatloaf. All right. You want me to do mine? <laughs> sure. And I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Oh, no. Okay, we're done. Okay. <laughs> I love the theatrical. Uh, well, it's a theatrical like, song. I mean, it's. Right, but I'm saying it's you're using stage vocals for the <laughs> pronunciation there. I appreciate it. Um, <sighs> All right. Oh, man, I do love. I do love, oh, by the way, his question includes Jordan love. <laughs> People type fast. I make it it is. Um, yeah. Jordan love has been good. Yeah. Real good. Real good. Ryan Ziegler, age and experience can overcome many things, but you always have to watch out for the kids. They've never learned they aren't immortal. I hope they keep playing like tomorrow doesn't exist. We can beat anyone. To which Devlin Sheehan may have added this rules or may have just been generally saying this rules. Uh, <laughs> and Z- oh, go ahead. I was going to say Ziggy's always good for like when he's not being uh, like a like a buzzkill. He's he's good for some some intelligent. Oh, yeah. And witty. Responses. Indeed. Uh, and uh, PJ Wessels. Y'all have plenty of questions this week, and how. I just wanted to point out your opening statement for the October 30th call for questions <laughs> oh, after first game against the Vikings. 
With the, with the tank in full swing and the Packers vying for one of the coveted top two draft spots, can they overcome a potential injury to Matthew Stafford next week to keep their May Williams hopes alive? Oh, how times have changed. And that they have. Brett Rippin, <laughs> okay, so, Brett Rippin saved the season. Okay, this is going to sound super roundabout, but I swear to God it's relevant. Okay. Um, do you know the plot to The Longest Yard? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I know the plot to The Longest Yard. Okay, do you remember why the guards are playing the inmates? Uh, oh, no, I don't. <laughs> um, because there's like a there's like a semi-pro league, and they want a tune-up game. They want to be able to beat the ever-loving hell out of a bad team ah. to like raise their confidence, whatever. Um, Michigan tried that with Appalachian State at one point. Yeah, didn't work out super well. Did not, did not. Um, so what if the Rams game and the Brett Ripon was the tune-up game? And it worked this time? Yeah. Huh? Like, beat the hell out of a bad team, gain confidence, know what you do well, and lean into it. Maybe that is what happened. I'm, I'm just trying not to look stupid after saying very I mean, <laughs> definitive things October 30th. Uh, I, I mean, they were bad. The long and short of it is, at that point in the season, they hadn't given a lot of room for hope. They just hadn't. And the fact that the way they just turned it around at that point was kind of amazing. So, And, and we always tried to see green shoots. Just <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, it, it was rough there for a bit. Yeah, we're, we're done. It was long. Two hours. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's it. Um, this should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. This is, uh, I feel like, the main enemy. Sometimes you hit the, the, the boss of the game before the actual boss of the game, and I feel like that's what this is. War Mech and <laughs> Final Fantasy. Um, I don't know. What are other good... Uh, <laughs> uh, Mr. Sandman and Punch-Out. Mike Tyson's good, but Super Macho Man sucks. So, um, Oh, dude, Super Macho Man. Okay, to me, the biggest one is the tiger. Um the, the Indian dude in the turban. Great tiger. Who tel- he teleports. I could never get the rhythm down for his blocks. If you do it right, you can beat him before he does that. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> also, super racist. <laughs> All of Mike Tyson's punch out is, though, so that's fine. Mike Tyson's c- c- soda Popinski. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best. That's awesome. I love it. How do we make this, uh, apply- for those who don't know, in, in the arcade version of Punch-Out, that particular boxer is Russian, and his name is literally Vodka Drunkinsky. That is his <laughs> name. Um, the Italian boxer, do you know what the Italian boxer in the arcade Punch-Out is named? No. Yeah, yeah I'm not kidding. The, arc- the Italian boxer in Punch-Out in the arcade is named Pizza Pasta. Oh, <laughs> Oh, that's awful. Yeah, it's bad. Um, okay, so shout outs to have you played Jedi Survivor, the newest I have not, Star Wars game? Um, I only okay, have Battle so Fronts. So there's there's the that's the sequel to the one that came out a couple years ago. Jedi Uh out. shoot. Yeah, I know the one. The the one with the guy from from Shameless. <laughs> that's basically <laughs> right. Like like that's how I remember it. Um so uh Jedi Survivor has this fight where you are in a um, fighter bay, right? And you see, it's just like this endless fight and it's awful. It's not an an official boss fight so much as just like a wave. Okay. And then then you barely make it out alive and you're going down this corridor and all of a sudden a boss bar appears. Oh no. 
and the name is Rick the Door Technician. <laughs> and Rick the Door Technician goes down in like one hit. Like it's just like, <laughs> sure, it's a poor guy, contractor. Didn't even want to be there. So yeah, that's. Oh my god, dude! Like I about fell out of my chair laughing when that because because I was I was almost dead and like yeah. I squared up to him and I was like, okay, here's how it goes, and then just hit down. That's a good so, joke. Yeah, that's what the, that's what this feels like. This is um, we're we're fighting the whole hangar before Rick the door technician. Yeah. All right, before we get out of here, anything you want to plug? Um, yeah, I, w- I did a bunch of stuff last. You did. Week. You were on last call, right? And you were on. Yeah, I was on last call, Lambo. Um, the the drinking rule that week was uh, coffee puns because of Mike McCarthy's skinny no foam latte sure order. Um, oh, I went good. I had one that legitimately took two minutes to set up. Aaron oh, got geez. so mad. <laughs> um, still doing betting content, getting more unhinged by the day. I wrote a Waylon Jennings parody in my most recent opening lines article. <laughs> oh Lord. 158 comments last time I checked. Nice. People were mad at me. Good. That's how the comment section should be. They should always um, be mad Also, at and I finally fixed the link forwarding for fartmcduty.com oh, because Justice mentioned him during the, during the game. <laughs> he did. He did. You got a shout out. Well done. All right. Um, before we go, uh, I will have my Shepherd comp. It's up now. I wrote it early because the game was so fun. Um, we'll have some content, of course, on ABC this week, and we'll have the mini pot, of course, on Friday, where you'll find out how the Packers can beat the can beat the Forty Niners. And uh, the 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 Dallas one was actually pretty good, although I mean, honestly, they were better than I could have even predicted. <laughs> so uh, they they hit the weak spots, but then they hit a whole bunch of other things that weren't weak spots too. So um, that will that'll do it for us. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we're we're in house money. This is great. It's been a fantastic season. So uh, everybody enjoy the game. Go back. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. 
Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit MethodProducts.com to unleash your inner shower.